Hi, I'm Ryan Jennings, and this is a Kiwi Original. Today on the show, I'm joined by Des Ford. Des is actually in the studio with me, and we're talking about the origin story of Arrow Uniforms. This is a company that specializes in apparel manufacturing, which traditionally in New Zealand has had some really tough moments. So for an organization like Arrow Uniforms to not only survive, but thrive, says a lot about the quality of this business. Des shares what some of the magic has been behind Arrow Uniforms, their specialization, as well as why the company is called Arrow Uniforms. I love this chat. We get into the weeds on it, and I'm sure you're going to love it as well. Let's take a listen. So 2015, you started to go big on local. What was different about 2015? Uh, just survival, really. So the more you could do here, the more you could control? We had to cut, we had to get rid of 50 staff, Ryan. Three tranches of just, just literally to, 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 keep, to cope with the cash that we, you know, we didn't really lose any customers, but we've probably pissed a few suppliers off. Because that's the challenge of manufacturing, right, is that it's people heavy. You requires a lot of people yeah, to make. This, this is a, you know, this is sort of another podcast, right? Because you know, we 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 had polos here, you know, sort of, you know, small to three XL. But because this box and the mediums was poking out two inches further, that took a whole lot of water because it came down through the roof, right? It wasn't the flood from the ground; it was through the roof, right? And I only needed to replace mediums, but the mediums I only needed was kind of like two hundred. But I had to buy a thousand because I couldn't buy a thousand; I had to make that whole range redundant. Ah, so you had this huge waste. It was, oh, just yeah. We lost. We chucked out thirty thousand garments, eighty pallets. That's a, such a shame because in any particular range, you've got all the different sizes. That's yeah, what people so, don't realise. Yeah. You're you're only one size as a person, but as the manufacturer, you need what five or six. Oh well, if you you know we we're we talking to Polytex, uh, you know, or, or whatever, whoever it is. You know, I've got a hundred staff to outfit and polos. I don't need a hundred polos. I need about two hundred because I don't know what the size is going to be. What are some of the brands you've worked with? Sure, so um, we manufacture our own brand. 70% of the stuff that we do is our own product. Um, developed in-house, you know, we'll get a polo shirt, um, we'll make them longer than other people's because, you know, when you bend over, they come out. Um, we'll put side splits on it so it's easier to, to wear out, to, for them to wear out, right? We'll take the, you know, when I first started, it was kind of extra small to 3XL, you know, we went to 5XL. Now we go 3 extra small to 9XL. You know, we've got big rugby players and we've got new immigrants, right? And these people are out there and they're good workers. Why don't we, you've got to look after them and then they expect to be looked after. Otherwise you get into all sorts of, you know, kind of HR issues because the guy can't get his uniforms. So he can't start. Isn't that interesting that what you're really doing there is you're not necessarily in the uniform business. You're in the make sure people are comfortable while they're at work business. I think it is all of that, but it's also getting really more important these days that you can't have ill-fitting uniforms. And you can't have uniforms that don't fit ladies, for example. Um, you know, unisex is a word that's sort of bandied around, and sometimes that's all you can have. But there's a big trend back to getting, you know, female-specific garments. And, you know, for various reasons, females are slightly more tricky to outfit than guys. Plus, they're also fussier. Guys, you can get away with a little bit more rope. So to speak, um, not, we're not. We as guys are not quite so fussy. And how have you managed to set up the organisation to cater for what is quite a lot of that's a lot of personalisation and customisation of, of garments. 
Yeah, it is, but they generally tend to fall into patterns and, 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 and ranges so that, um, you know, if we're talking about, say, security guards, for example, you know, there's a pretty standard, you know, they're either in an epaulette kind of uniform shirt or they're in a polo shirt. Um, blokes will have, you know, trousers or shorts, maybe. Uh, relatively simple. When you get into ladies, they come in different shapes and sizes. They want skirts or they want, and you can't just have one sort of trouser that fits all ladies for various reasons. Um, and these are really thing, important things to, to note. But generally speaking, the most successful uniform packages have got a little bit of a selection within a theme. You know, they don't always have to wear the same skirt or trousers. They can, they can choose something that fits them. So you get a little bit of choice as the employer to give to your team as we well. We would recommend that to, to purchasers, that they do have a little bit of a selection within a theme. Otherwise, they'll get complaints. You know, I don't, why are you not wearing the uniform? They don't fit. They don't fit because they're in the wrong style. And then what does the, what's the benefit of an organisation that maybe is a corporate that hasn't put uniforms in place because they think, do you know, our staff, uh, as long as they're tidy, we're happy. What, what are they leaving by not having a branded solution for, you know, front, um, you know, customer-facing workers? Um, I think it's um, as much about their brand as about our brand. I can tell you a couple of stories. Um, so... This, not, this might not be a bit about buying New Zealand made specifically, Ryan, but I'll these chef jackets that I'm going to tell you a story about were made in New Zealand. We had a um, gentleman come in one day and he was starting a uh, fish and chip shop, takeaway shop, out there. And he came in and he said he wanted 30 chef jackets. Now, back in those days, chef jackets, 30, in order for 30 jackets was a really big deal. We would have had them in stock. And he probably came in and wrote a check for them and went away. And I said to him, you know, this, you know what are you doing? Oh, we are opening a fish and chip shop over in Waterloo, I think it was. And say, so, oh great, you know, well, you know, hope it goes well, all the best, you know. Now we uh, decided to go past this fish and chip shop. And I oh, know he, he said that the reason he was buying chef jackets because his reasoning was that if people drove past and saw chefs cooking fish uh, and chips, they must be good. Next level. Yeah. So uh, we went past sure enough. The store was really busy. We know they were good fish and chips. Well, he sold that shop probably within about 18 months, a couple of years. And the next time we went past, there was one guy and they're looking fairly fairly forlorn, and the whole magic had gone out of the shop, and the windows were dirty. Um, and to me, I think that, you know, so why do people get uniforms to kind of lift the whole profile of the business? And I think he did that really well. That was kind of a lesson to me. It's so. interesting that, you know, you, you bring up that point, because what that speaks to is that deeper level of you go to a place, you don't necessarily know whether it's clean or whether the, you know, medical procedure is done correctly, because you're not an expert at it. But if you see a clean uniform, that becomes a proxy for if they care about the uniform, they care about their windows, they're probably caring about the things I don't understand but I need their services for. Sure, absolutely. And I think, you know, we had an experience when we were having one of our kids once that there was some sort of an issue. I don't quite know what it was now, but it's a long time ago. But uh, I came sort of flying out, you know, my wife was whatever, and um, running past this lady at reception looking for a midwife, right? Finally found our midwife, you know, around the corner and down the corridor or whatever, said, oh, why don't you ask, you know, so hell on reception, you know, she's a midwife, but she wasn't dressed like a midwife. Mm. She was just sitting there reading a magazine. And I was quite cross about that. I was selling uniforms too, but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> so is there ever a time that you're not off on the job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but getting back to, you know, what is important about brand, you know, I want to tell you a story about beef and lamb New Zealand. There's a guy there called Rod Slater, interesting bloke, um, and uh, their colours are black and green, I suppose, and they sell beef and lamb. 
And I said to Rod Slater one day, you know, Rod, if I was to take your colours and put them into that apron, I could really make you lift that whole profile of your brand. And he said, yeah, go ahead, and he did it. He was just blown away with the result. And they've bought thousands of those aprons. And he said to me many times that he just felt that it was that apron and what we did with it that made that whole program, probably the whole beef and lamb thing come alive. You know, it fitted in with their branding, it was on TV. Let's and take I, a look at it. And I think that's, and I think that's the other uh, the other thing that, you know, at Arrow we do well, we can take people's brand to the next level and, and uh, you know, showcase who they are as, as, uh, as, as, as brands. So this is okay to, to uh, if someone's got an idea around this for their business and they only have 10 staff or 100 staff, is Arrow Uniform, are you interested in that Absolutely, business? absolutely, yeah. Because small businesses have become good businesses. And all of this embroidery, this is all done by you as well? Done in New Zealand, yep. Fantastic. What I like about this, as soon as you put it on, doesn't matter who you put it on, that the personal brand rubs off on from this and vice versa. So if you've got some celebrity chef, that then brings some of that celebrityness to the beef and lamb. For sure, for sure, for sure, yeah. Good quality too. Is that that's just quite a heavy fabric? Yeah, it's, it's made to a particular specification. Um, and that brings us on to another point, uh, Ryan, longevity. You know, sometimes... Uh, you know, the stuff we make is such a good quality, it lasts for ages, but that's good. I was in a uh, laboratory the other day, and they were trying to describe a gown they had to me, and finally they said, oh, we've still got some out the back, we still use them, but you can't have it. And I pulled it out, and it was one of ours we'd made about 15 years ago. And made in New Zealand, like, like that is ridiculous. For a garment to, that is worn five times a week, commercially laundered, day after day, uh, to be 15 years old, you know, it actually made me feel pretty cool. What's the difference? Because a lot of apparel manufacturers that I have visited still import the fabric. Like, how can you get the the quality difference? Good question, good question. So, first of all, it's about using the right fabric for the right purpose. And because I used to work at Taylor's, I got a bit of a laundry hat on at times. Um, but, you know, first question is who's washing these and how is it being washed? So you kind of, you, you, you tick that off first, right? And then by, by writing the specification for a garment, and a lot of people don't realise that behind, you know, a business shirt that you've got on, there's probably a seven or eight page document that says, this is how the shirt has to be made. We kind of write those. And it's got all the different sort of specification of the sold. Otherwise, people put on a garment, put on, say, a medium shirt today, put on another one tomorrow, and think, hang on, this is, doesn't feel quite right. And it's because the specifications have not been followed. And we kind of write those and then kind of police them quite hard. So that's how we can, you know, I can look you in the eye and say, this is good quality and we're, we're managing that. You know, it's quite a scientific process. A lot different from when I started in 1990, Ryan, completely different. Back in those days, it was card patterns. And uh, if you wanted a garment an inch longer, you just sort of put the card on the thing and just worked out an inch longer and that's where you cut it. These days, we've got computerised cutting and computerised patterns and... And it's all completely different from when I started back in the olden days. How has, um, you know, the thing I think about when you, you say that is that there's always new technology, but as a manufacturing business, that's capital, right? So you have yep. to maybe, you have to sweat that capital and have confidence you're going to get enough volume to get your marginal cost down enough to at least return some money, pay for staff, have some savings. Then maybe one day, if there's anything left, you might get some dividends. <laughs> I'm glad you added that. I'm glad you added that. Uh, what's your investment strategy in the, the technology side of it? Yeah, um, it's an interesting question that, and I don't know that I can necessarily answer that. Um, 
in this show that um, a lot of the garments are still manufactured by people that sew, you know, it's just zzz, 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 like this, okay? Um, I can't see that changing anywhere in the world for the foreseeable future. There are some machines overseas that do things like pocket setting and automatic, you know, there's some automatic machines that certainly bring that along, but it's very tactile, you know, um, you can't just, you know, sew around a, around a corner of an armhole that easily. Mm. I mean, we've had a computerised cutting machine now probably for, I don't know, be 20 years old now. He's one of the first New Zealanders still going. Um, and that was good. That was a great leap forward. Um, it means that, you know, we were able to lay up fabric and do it all on, on, on screen rather than, so we're still running that. But now when I was talking before about making patterns, so we are setting up those patterns and we can ship those patterns to Fiji or up to China or wherever, same pattern, made to the same standard. So in that sense, technology hasn't changed. Um, and I can't see too much change, but I, I think the other thing is that as a country, New Zealanders, we haven't had the manufacturing throughput to keep up with some of the machinery that is out there. The high volume stuff. Yeah. Um, so our quality levels, while good, are probably a notch down from perhaps stuff that might be coming from some of the other, you know, more machinery, you know, doing so many more, much, you know, stitches per inch, so to speak. Okay. Probably not answering your question. Well, I know what I'm getting from that is that if you have more volume, you can use more machinery, more automation, which gives you more precision. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no on that. Um, where volume would help is just literally uh, to be able to cut a whole lot more at once rather than just sort of ones and twos and threes and tens, okay? And to be able to, you know, it's a bit like making muffins, right? If you only make six, it's a bit of a hassle, right? But if you make 60, you could probably get a bit of a system going, right? And that's, that's a bit like that in, in our game. Now, we've had a kind of crazy year last year through COVID and the pandemic. Uh, what have you noticed in terms of New Zealanders and their response to shopping local, buying and supporting New Zealand manufacturers like yourself? Um, yeah, good question. And I think, you know, COVID helped us really understand that we were in the front line. No, let me rephrase that. We weren't in the front line, but we were supporting the people in the front line. So we had calls from security guards on the phone, you know, I need a thousand safety vests and I need them tomorrow. Um, our factory was working, you know, seven days a week, manufacturing, you know, medical gear, scrubs. People were just on the phone trying to, you know, bring their, you know, medical centres. Uh, you know, we were making masks flat out. So you were classified as an essential yep. service then? Yeah, yeah, an essential service. And, um, and yeah, it got it got really busy there. So I think you know we sort of discovered that that's what our I guess our passion almost came out there as well. We discovered that that's what we and we felt really good about that. We were helping those people. So up until that point, you had done the corporate uniforms up to here. Oh, I know we were still was in the healthcare one... industry, but all of a sudden, like no hospitality, right? Twenty five percent of our business was hospitality, but I think that was sort of made up by you know sort of other stuff that came out of the woodwork. Okay, so you didn't need to pivot as such, you just had to rebalance based on where the sectors... Yeah, I suppose so. We've still got lots of, you know, white shirts and bow ties in stock because the hospitality sort of sectors disappeared, but that's okay. Well, that'll come back. The New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage 
in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. Now with fashion, there are trends, and, and one of the ones that I wanted to ask you about is the tie. Yeah. I like wearing ties, I'm not wearing one today. Uh, one of our uh, license holders, Parisian, yeah. has been making them for 101 years and has kindly supplied me ties for, for many events. Um, when are, what, what happens when there's these shift in fashion? How do you adapt to that? Do you stop making things? Do they come back in fashion? Do you lead it? Do you listen to the market? Yeah. Uh Trick question, Ryan. I don't know that I could tell you that, but yeah, uh, fashions do change, things do change. You know, colours change. You know, and you're right about ties, Parisian. You know, if you get free ties, I'm one of his customers, and I don't, so we're going to have to change <laughs> that. Um, um, well, you could do the five AM slots on TV yeah, as well. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but I think the key thing here is, uh, yes, they do change, and we're seeing a, a lot more of a casualisation of the workforce. Parliament, like the other day, said, you know, one day they say they're going to have to wear ties, the next day they don't, right? Um, what's that going to do to the rest of New Zealand's workforce? We supply the VIP drivers with their uniforms, right? They wear ties. They've since placed an order for a couple of hundred ties. Does that mean that they're not going to wear ties, you know? I, I think not, right? So do I know the answer to that? No, I don't. But, I mean, yes, we are selling less ties than we did, but, you know, we're making face masks now that we didn't used to make, so things change. They do. And I think the great thing about the Beehive in Parliament, uh, they've recognised that there is more than one cultural way of showing respect in the house and by wearing a hey tiki is just as respectful as wearing a tie. Not wearing a tie or not wearing a hey tiki is a different scale. So I think there is a place for it. But it'll be interesting to see, you're right, how that plays out in all the other types of places where a tie wearer or a hey tiki, a tonga wearer may be seen. Does that catch on or is it seen as something that's location dependent? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, and then also we're doing a lot of other things in the cultural space. We've recently done some pretty cool uniforms for Auckland Museum. They've just kind of done a big rebrand and a refurbishment. There's been a whole lot of money on it in the you know, new atrium foyer and got some great new uniforms made by uh, yours truly. But, you know, quite a bit of time went into the whole design and creation of the pattern to reflect, you know, the heritage and the heritage of the museum and the people that, you know, that are around the, in that area, then in fact the whole Pacific Islands. Beautiful stuff, uh, but it's something that no one overseas could have done, no one overseas could have manufactured. So that fabric was manufactured in New Zealand, printed in New Zealand, and made in New Zealand. Um, Parisian made the ties. And, you know, check it out, Auckland Museum uniforms, and that's some pretty nice, pretty nice stuff. So it's interesting stuff, but quite bespoke. What well, speaks to heritage, yep. heritage. place, provenance, yeah, culture, and, and the culture, yeah, Pacifica, um, and the fact that it's still a military museum, apparently. Mm. Let's talk about your team because you don't do all this uh, on your own. There's you've got quite a, a large team that's grown in, in size over the, at least the last ten years, both through acquisition and hiring. Um, what does it take to run a, a big team of human beings? <laughs> Interesting question. Yeah, so, uh, you know, well, I guess when I started off in 1990, um, I really just started off because the chairman of foodstuffs, a guy called Brian Kelly, rang me up at home and said, 
it is that outfit that you used to work for five years ago went into receivership you should start up selling uniforms by yourself now when a guy like that rings you up at home i thought actually you know he might be right so that kind of was a little bit of the catalyst to sort of push me push me off the shelf so to speak right and the company that i think i told you i used to work for a company called professional uniforms had been through a series of kind of ownership changes after the original founder sold it right this was kind of we're talking you know uh, after Mr. Muldoon's, you know, wage and price freeze, right? Um, I'd sort of moved off and gone and I worked for Taylor's there for a while. Um, so when I started, it was just me, right? Me and then me and my wife. And then uh, after a while, you know, sort of probably me and my kids. But after a while, I kind of ran out of kids, right? And, um, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we started employing employing staff, you know, sales reps, you know, started, you know, around the, you know, getting, getting spreading around the country. Um, for the first 10 years, it was just reactive. You know, uh, the other outfit used to make this. Can you make it? Yes, we can. Okay, great, you know. And then we sort of moved into kind of more proactive stuff, right? So along the way, we, you know, we grew, we had to we had to bring in people with talent. You know, I've got people working with me for two or three, with two or three degrees in the textile industry, you know. Wow. I've got uh, a guy that works for me that used to be in, um, an auditor for Marks and Spencer. Wow. Uh, these are these are really technical people that do a really technical job, but we've got a really high standard that we play at, and we sell uniforms, and they have to be the same time after time. If they're not, people call us up. So yeah, I guess uh, I've got you know, second generations uh, coming through now. I've got five kids working for me, but it's more than just a family business. You know, we've got a corporate board, a board of advisors. You know, we've got some reasonably big sort of money we're playing all these days. And uh, we want the place to be run properly, and it's good for, you know, good for the family, good for the staff, good for the customers, and good for the suppliers. We, you know, this is a complex organisation that needs to transcend anything that I've set on. You know, we've got over 3,000 accounts, we've got probably 250, 300,000 garments in stock. We're talking a lot of stuff. People ring up and they want uniforms for their team, and they want them tomorrow. And um, I have to tell you how I started the Arrow name too, by the way, but Arrow stands for fast. Now, when I started, when I left Taylor's, I started selling mats. You're probably not going to believe this, right? But I wanted um, a name that started with A because I wanted to get paid first. Now, don't ask me why, but that's because my sort of like, you know, crazy sort of dream, right? And I was sitting at the bottom of, I think it's Vivian Street or Guzney Street, and I was looking up at the sort of sign on the side of the building. I think it was probably a Firestone sign. It had these little arrows running along the top. And, um, you know, it's, it's a silly little thing, but, you know, when I was going to start selling mats, you know, I decided that I'd chop them up in the shape of an arrow so that when I left them with people, people would know that's what it was. And that's where the arrow name came from. So it stuck, right? And then along the way, when the uniform started to take off, we kind of divested, Matt sold it off, and uh, those guys have got another great little business themselves, you know. But So that's where the arrow name came from. But these days, Ryan, it stands for fast. We, we got going because we were fast. We were fast in the opposition. We still, that's, that's what we still try and do. When people want uniforms, they want them fast, they want them tomorrow. You know, when I first started, you know, I used to go into a, you know, a rest home or something and, you know, they'd open up their cupboard and say, all right, give us uh, 6.10s, 2.12s, 4.14s and 6.20s, thanks very much, right? And we would literally pack that order up and ship it off to them. These days I'd be saying, don't you stock them, I'll stock them. When you have a new employee, ring me up and I'll get it by overnight courier. And so we've kind of changed that whole sort of paradigm. So you're taking all of the 
all the hassle off them because you have it in stock on consignment, yeah. ready to go. Pro provided, or, yeah, provided they, well, yeah, brothers of course. Um, but now the whole thing is that you know if it's in nursing uniforms or chefs jackets or white business shirts or black trousers, whatever it is, we've got that stuff there. So and, and they rely on us. But you know, if you have a company with a hundred staff and you ring me up and you say, look, I want a um, hundred polo shirts for my team. I don't have to have a hundred polo shirts in stock. I have to have about two hundred because you don't know what sizes your staff are going to be. And while we don't either, we've actually got a pretty good idea because we're running a whole lot of data. So if it's about bus drivers, and we've just done uh, the new Ecan bus uh, fleet in Christchurch, they've just you know gone into new. I think it's four hundred drivers. You know, uh, you know, we went down and sized them up. Yeah, you know, had one of our team go in there and size them up, those sort of people up, because they didn't know, and, and they had to do it in a very quick time frame. While they were doing that, we were sort of manufacturing the shirts. They didn't know what sizes they were going to do, but we were able to profile that against an industry profile. So we could call that order pretty quickly. And the client doesn't know that. They just go and ask, oh, so give us a couple of hundred of each size. Now, that's just stupid. Well, it's the only thing I think you know, we look at is think about our personal shopping and well there's sizes, it's on the rack and this organisation will just give us sizes off the rack but you're going a step beyond that. Are you actually measuring some of the their team up? When yeah, we are but you know I think that's changing Ryan. Under COVID um, you know we've just started to become a little bit more conscious of this you know mm. do I send one of my team into a place where they might get infected you know? Or do we ship them some samples? So there's a bit of a bit of a shift coming. So we're probably sort of starting to back away from that a bit. We had the same you know, question: as do we do we go and film on the road uh, and go to places uh, because these are manufacturing hubs and some of them are for food. And we were okay towards the end of last year and then the start of this year. It's that question mark again about you know what should be permanent and what should we be just agile with and actually decide we maybe go back to the studio like what we're doing today. Yeah, so, uh, you know, so, you know, one of our competitive advantages, I suppose, along the way is, as well as manufacturing clothes, it's about, you know, getting into the customer's brand and making that come alive. And there's a number of ways to do that. Uh, the next thing is, you know, we've got a pretty cool online ordering service so that people can order products online and manage their whole HR allocation with our system. It's been pretty unique. We've been running it now for probably about eight years, got about a thousand companies on it. It's a delicate topic in a way, isn't it? Because you, you want your team to almost toe the corporate branding line. You also don't want to say, what size are you? Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, but, but you need that information. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, but at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, people are still, you know, people are human beings. They have to be treated with dignity and respect. We've got to give them uniforms that fit them. Uh, and give them in a timely way. Um, you know, I've seen situations where uniforms haven't been delivered, almost becomes a an industrial relations issue because you know everyone's got uniforms except for Jack. You know, he can't work. He's not allowed on the job. You know, he's getting ah, depressed, right? Of course. Yeah. Right. Hey, this is not about manufacturing in New Zealand, Ryan. Now, this show is about buying New Zealand, mate. I want to tell you a couple of other stories about <laughs> manufacturing. Okay, this is about other stuff, Go for right? It. So, you know, you asked me, you know, am I a passionate? Kiwi and you know why, why I was passionate about it because I am I am passionate about it that's why I've kept our factory alive you know we were a bit slow to recognize the shift to imported manufacturing and we kind of got squeezed into a corner because we we're still trying to manufacture garments you know for this price and people were selling for this price and slowly we had to start pivoting so eventually we used to have to start buying offshore 
and we, we did that. We're a bit slow, you know, I admit that, right? Because deep down, I'm a Kiwi. I still believe in that really, really passionately, right? But I think I can see a shift coming back. You know, we're getting more and more inquiries. I see in government tenders the the rating for pricing is coming down. It's more about broader outcomes for New Zealanders. You know, that really sinks with me. I like that. There's those five criteria rather than just the cost, like broader outcomes, what can you do for your local community, yep, how absolutely. will this yeah, benefit? Sure. And, and, and you, know, you know, and I'm making this up a bit, but whereas price, you know, it used to be 40 or 50 or whatever it was percent, you know, it's down to, you know, 15, 20 percent, you know, and I think that's the right thing. Um, because, you know, we, we are better put back into New Zealand manufacturers and take those jobs further, and, and people can resonate with that. You know, I've been to factories, you know, overseas, um, Ryan, and we've got, you know, our staff go to these sort of factories. I've been to factories that, you know, nobody, you know, that, that we won't deal with, right? They don't meet the human rights criteria, you know, kind of sweatshops. Yeah, they are factories that nobody should deal with, and yet they're in business doing stuff for people. Um, so, you know, I think it's on us to kind of dig in a little bit further to some of where this stuff is coming from and seeing what's going on in some of those places and seeing some of the conditions that these workers have, have been uh, traditionally been. I mean, I think the world's woken up to a lot of that these days, but, you know, you know come back to buy, why, why buy New Zealand made? Because, you know, I think it's good for us, it's good for the country, it's good for the region, and, uh, you know, in these kind of troublous times, you might say, when look, look at all the supply issues, you know, getting stuff out of Indonesia, you know, it used to take three weeks, now it's taking ten. Quicker to make this day from New Zealand. Yes, you're going to pay another 10 or 20 bucks. But, but you get guarantees, right? Yeah. And if you're all about speed, arrow, yeah. Yeah. then that becomes a, a far bigger differentiator against broken supply chains. Yeah, yeah. So it is, yeah, it's a complex supply model. It's a bit like the, kind of the Rubik's Cube. You know, you sort of turn it one way and it all sort of, everything sort of changes. But that's, and that's what it's like, you know. So the other thing you mentioned uh, earlier before we started the interview was what you're doing in the sustainability. Um, let's have a look at, what uh, that, that product is. Yeah, so, so, so sustainability is the big issue. And I think, um, you know, we are as a community, as a race, uh, a lot more concerned about kind of what's happening in the wider environment, you know. And yes, I make reusable, washable face masks. You know, we decided early on that we would not sell disposables. I mean, the disposable face mask problem, I don't think people really realise, you know. Billions, billions of, it's billions. Billions of, you know? yeah. Um, you're far better off to buy a, a New Zealand-made machine washable <laughs> face mask, right? Um, but our big thing this year is plastic bags. We decided that we um, want to um, get rid of plastic bags. We go through nearly a million of them a year. Now, a million, you say, yeah, yeah, because we would get garments in from overseas in plastic, right? Take them out of the plastic, put a logo on it, chuck that plastic bag away, put garment in a new plastic bag. And that's what we've done for years, because that's what we do, right? But if we ship garments out in no plastic bags and they're delivered and fall on the floor before the man gets them, then suddenly they're dirty and that's our problem, right? So we come up with this uh, laundry bag idea, which we think is quite cool. So the idea behind that is that um, when we ship, we will send garments in this laundry bag uh -huh. and they will arrive nice and clean. It's got your brand on it, of course. Yeah, and we did a, so we did a deal with uh, Breast Cancer Cure Organisation. Which is why it's pink. Why it's pink, zip. And so for every uh, plastic bag, every time we send one of those out, we will donate $1 to Breast Cancer Cure. Now, we're going to ask people to pay for these, but 
they're going to get the garments cleaner, and it's a, it's a bag that they can use again and again and again. And we can, you know, whether it's one gar one garment or five or six garments, we can put them in that bag, ship them off, knowing that the recipient is going to receive those. Plus, it's also a great cause. And what you can do, I think, with this, uh, because you have an ongoing relationships with your customers, they're always going to be shipping garments back to you as well, aren't well, they? Well, not. Well, do they ship back to you? We do. For, we do have. A, do you any re, do any recycling yeah, or upcycling? Yeah, we, do, we do actually. Yeah, we do. And we can talk about that in a minute. But um, a lot of people order, you know, two mediums, and two larges because they're not sure what they so they send they'll send one yeah. of them back, you know. And while it's a bit of a pain, it's called life. That does happen. So we have to take that. Yeah. So yes, yes. Um, and we do uniform recycle. Yeah, we do it for larger clients. So that's another program we've been running probably for five or, or probably eight years now. Multi-sided, over 300 staff. Why have 27 branches, each with a cupboard of $1,000 worth of uniforms on it each, when you can ship them back to us and we'll manage that program for you. But that's another story for another day. Des, is there anything else I haven't asked you about with our uniforms that you would like to <laughs> share with the Buy New Zealand Made fans on our podcast and video show? Right, I think we could probably chat away all day about sort of various aspects of both Buy New Zealand Made and our industry in general and, you know, Arrow in particular. But, you know, I, I would say this, that I think we've seen a turn back to New Zealand manufacturing. Because I'm such a passionate Kiwi, I love it. I think it's a great thing. I think it's good for the country. And it's good for it's good for employment. Um, we're keeping the jobs here. It's fun. We can make this fun. It's not necessarily boring. Um, I didn't tell you along the way that kind of before I joined by New Zealand Made, um, we came up with this mantra probably about ten years ago, which we called "Well Made in New Zealand." Now, I adopted that mantra because I was very passionate about what we did. I was very passionate about what the team were doing. And um, I took the graphics to the artwork to the guy that made our labels, and he said, you know what, I've made hundreds of millions of labels with Made New Zealand on them, but no one has ever put the word well in front of it, so well made in New Zealand. So it was kind of before Buy New Zealand made, sort of, we got kind of married, if you like, but, uh, you know, and, and that, I think that just illustrates the passion that goes into everything that we've manufactured. So if you look at any of our garments, sales, well made New Zealand. It speaks to country of origin, and I think what we have in New Zealand, we can easily take for granted domestically because we all live here, work here, play here, so it's not actually a differentiator between us. But internationally, particularly if you've lived overseas, you get to see New Zealand as different from where you live because you're living in the UK or the US uh, or the Philippines. Or I was with some friends in Auckland, and um, two of them are from Colombia, and they were saying, all of our friends, bar none, want to move to New Zealand because they know that it's COVID free. They know they can go to a hospital here. They know it's the place that managed to eliminate it through their government. These are all things that Columbia hasn't managed to do. And so when you put New Zealand on a garment, it speaks to some of those deeper institutions that we take for granted here. And I think that's a fantastic thing to be able to manufacture something here because you're bringing it to life in a good. And then for a brand, when they're wearing an arrow uniform, it's taking your good and making it their brand, so it's the customer experience that they then give. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And that's, I think, something that we should all you know, be pretty pleased that right now we are, we are living in New Zealand and uh, we are living in this you know, sort of safe, safe environment. Um, 
and you know everybody seems reasonably happy. It's great to see the you know sort of trucks driving past on the motorway and, and all that sort of thing. I think it says you know that we are kind of we're kind of going okay. Then I think it's about taking what people do to another level. Um, you know, I remember I was over in Paris once, you know, sort of looking for ideas, I might say, and I, I kid you not. Um, and I pulled up outside a uniform shop and I looked at this window display and there was a garment in the window that was so cool, I just about, you know, I was, it was just, just it was the French got it, right? Yeah. But the thing that made me really mad, annoyed with myself was that I had those fabrics in stock in New Zealand. And it was what they did with them that made that kind of garment different to what it was. And people look at that garment and say, hey, that's cool. Can we have that? And that's, I guess, what Arrow does is taking things to a different space and making people's brands come alive. Like we told you about beef and lamb and some of the things we've done for some of the hospitals and you know a lot of the corporates around New Zealand to be able to take um, their corporate brand and you know, give them an idea about what they can do with it and where they can take that just by thinking outside the square, really, knowing what we can do with our manufacturing capabilities, our branding facilities that we've got in our factory, and you know, helping take their brand and making it come to life. And that's when their own brand can take another level. You know, we do a lot with a company called Ryman Healthcare, and you know, I sort of joking, we've supplied them for over 25 years. And I jokingly said that their latest uniform, which we helped them develop, you know, when they all came out on that national national rider on their uniform, that their share price sort of jumped up. Um, whether that's quite true or not, I don't know. But I mean, it definitely has risen. But my point here is this: that it takes people's roles as a you know security guard, a nurse, a driver, a bus driver, whatever, and if they can put the uniform in the morning and say, "Hey, this is pretty cool," then I think we've achieved a lot. I think Hopefully. with Ryman, you've done a great job because it's a hard one to do. Like I remember visiting my grandfather at a Ryman Healthcare, and you've balanced two things, which is uh, these people care for my family, but also it's not medical. It doesn't feel like he's checked into a hospital. It still feels like it's a place where he's cared for, but it's not a medical care. And I don't know whether that's just the the uniform, but that's the feeling I got in that environment. You know, and another thing that they did really well and, um, you know, was the whole kind of issuing experience. You know, there's a great video on YouTube of some staff getting their uniforms and just the excitement that goes with it. You know, I'd put that up there, Ryan, with getting the all-black jersey. You know, the whole kind of, here's the jersey, you know. They reckon that's quite a special sort of moment. Well, you know, we can take that to, you might say, the average security guard or the average driver, if that's an average thing. But you know what I mean? You can, you don't, just because uh, people, you know, you might say, uh, you know, cleaning a building doesn't mean to say that they can't feel good about what they do. And if they do, do you know what? They do better jobs. They would go home happier, right? It's that ceremony. You yeah. belong here and yeah. this you're part of us now. Yeah. And when you go into a shop and see some people and say, Well, those guys look good, you know, would you ask that electrician or that sparky to come in your house if he looked kind of rough and ragged or if he's looking professional, his vans are looking pretty slick and the uniforms all kind of match? Wouldn't you feel more comfortable with that sort of mm. relationship? And I think, you know, we're the people that do that kind of clothing side of that. I think you're going to get a lot of more opportunities after people watch this story, Des. I've appreciated we've got some, uh, it. We've got some great ones coming <laughs> along too, some great sustainable stories or some of the things we're doing with recycled products and, you know, recycled wool, knit, re-knitting it into new jerseys and that. We've got some great stories coming down the pipeline. 
thank you very much for sharing your story today Thanks and sharing what Arrow Uniforms has been up to. Uh, and I look forward to sharing this out on our news feeds, podcast, and also on the YouTube channel. Thank you. You're welcome. That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from the start was we're going to push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made? carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realize that. Well, you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two, three, four, five inquiries every day from people and their only question is, are your products made in New Zealand? You know, they don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for a New Zealand-made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand-made product. We have got New Zealand-made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of that. And um, you were very welcoming, so thank you, Ron. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand-made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand. And that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning. And it just put trust, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently People have become so much more discerning about, they will up front and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being able to front up to that and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of the other brands selling over overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that a, an investment or is it a cost? You know, can, we, can we spend it given what's going on? Uh, no, it's actually good value for us. You know, we, we are a Kiwi company, we are proudly Kiwis. It instantly had a, a fruitful conversation without any dancing around or holding back or everything came out and that was that was part of the how, why it was so invaluable and so the best way to do that is to, to join the buying and making fan right so i as you will see on any of my social media stuff like me i put the buy new zealand made logo i'm classed on everything i can pass it on but just being able to prove to people that it is new zealand made and that we've got a story that's great you know pretty proud to be able to do that